Welcome to Multi Multi, the podcast where we talk about the multitude of multi-site student ministry. My name is Joe Crabb, and I am, of course, filling in for our beloved host, Mr. EJ Swanson, not able to be here with us today, but I am still here with our faithful few, Mrs. Kimberly Schuler. Hello, everyone. And Mr. Trevor Callis on the ones and twos. Trev, good to see you. Uh, and we are excited about today's episode. We've got a very special guest with us, Marco. Marco, how are you doing, brother? Man, I'm good. I'm in hot and sweaty Atlanta today, as opposed to hot and dry San Diego, where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what brings you to uh, to Atlanta right now is where we get the con- opportunity to talk to you today. You know, the main thing that I do these days is I run this thing called the youth ministry coaching program. And we have these cohorts with 10 youth pastors in them that meet throughout a year. It's a year long leadership development program. Um, And I have two of those cohorts in Atlanta at this time. One is um, kind of our level one cohort. And then we also have an advanced one, a level two cohort. So yeah, I'm here all week because of that. Um, But yeah, we currently have cohorts going in like uh, eight locations around the United States. It's and so, oh, just sorry. about to fill one right by you guys. Yeah. We're really close to filling the Detroit cohort. Yeah, I was going to say, you and I have had that conversation about uh, about having one here in Detroit, which is uh, the metro Detroit area is uh, is home for you. Uh, so excited to, to have you on here and have had the opportunity to spend some time with you in various settings uh, over the past few years. And um, we're just so grateful for your heart uh, in wanting to do just that equip and encourage uh, and empower those who are looking to make an impact on this generation for the gospel. And uh, as founder of Youth Cartel and uh, your coaching programs and uh, so many other facets uh, doing just that. We were talking before we recorded that Kim and I had the opportunity to, to meet you years ago at a, a youth specialties. And at the same time, I was reading one of your books, Youth Ministry 3.0. And so um just grateful for uh, for what you're doing for the kingdom, brother. And uh, uh, I know that's part of why we wanted to have you on here today to kind of talk about uh, some of the other things that you've got going on here with your your conference. Is it a camp? Is it a conference? <laughs> so tell us a little bit about uh, uh, about that, and particularly the multi-site one. So. Yeah, absolutely. We started the. You know, it's funny. I I started the um, middle school ministry conference the year after I uh, lost my job at Youth Specialties before I officially launched the Youth Cartel. So it was actually one of the things I was doing in a kind of an experimental stage of my ministry life, trying to figure out what God had next for me. Um, and we ended up developing this approach uh, that is like other youth worker training events in that it has great a variety of seminars and it has uh, uh, main meetings with uh, encouraging speakers and worship, but it's at a camp and we end up spending the whole three days together. So nobody's running off to a hotel or to meals. Yeah. And that kind of secret sauce has really, uh, we found just really made it unique. Our middle, our 10th annual middle school ministry conference is coming up in just about a month from when uh, this episode's going to air. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's so, so cool. They're little boutique events. We only yeah. have about a hundred people, but the multi-site 
Youth Ministry Conference is newer for us. We've only done it one time before, and now we've decided to do it again. Um, and it's really this little gathering for anybody who's working in youth ministry in a multi-site context. So exactly the listenership of this very podcast, yes, right? Yeah. Um, super fun. When we did it uh, a year and a half ago, we did it in Orange County and used a facility that Saddleback had, kind of a retreat center that Saddleback has. Um, and we had like 120 people from all over the country. It was mostly people coming in teams, which was super fun. Like, you know, a multi-site staff team for student ministries at a at a, a multi-site would come together and wrestle with stuff together. So anyhow, this time we're doing it in in January of 2020, uh, and we're doing it in the greater Atlanta area. Our lead partner this time around is Orange Students, and so they've helped us get a great camp there in the Atlanta area. That's awesome. And we do this event as like an all-inclusive price, so it includes accommodations and meals. Because like anybody who comes as a speaker – they can only come as a speaker if they're there for the entire event. Okay. So you end up having meals with speakers and hanging out with them at free time rather than just seeing them on stage, right? That's awesome. That's so sweet. And, and where can anyone get any information, whether it's about uh, the coaching program, like you see your cohorts or uh, the middle school campference or multi-site campference? Yeah, all of that would be on the youthcartel.com. Yep, that would be, be the place to find out any of that stuff. I love that. And we'll make sure to, to, to be sharing that as well. And uh, I love that aspect of being able to really live in community with one another for those two, three days, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, with that same heart, that same desire to encourage, edify one another. And like you said, work through those things. So we'd be good stewards yeah. of the ministries that God has blessed us with uh, with being a part yeah, exactly. of. So that's so sweet, Marco. Thank, thank you for, for hosting those and putting those on and just for your wisdom. And I know that Kim wants to, to learn a little bit more from you here and uh kim hop in great yes looking forward to continuing this conversation with you mark uh as you have held many roles over the years within ministry uh i would love to hear just from your perspective you know we've talked a little bit about it on this podcast but it's also constantly a conversation within ministry as churches do go multi-site what does those relationships look like between executive pastors or campus pastors with their student staff at the campus, but if they have a central hub or core or whatever they may call that um, support center um, set up for the church, what does that relationship then look like? And I know you have um, filled a role of executive pastor all the way down to being a junior high pastor. I would say all the way up to being a junior high pastor, but that's just just me. That's That's just me. Change the narrative. I feel like I just got slapped on the hand for saying that. My bad. Um, Yes, absolutely. We hold all leaders in high regards, even those that work with kids, students, and college. Um, No, but we would just love to hear some of your experience with that, what you've learned from those years, but also the misses or, um, you know, the mistakes that you've seen maybe some greener or younger leaders make along the way with those relationships, with those partnerships, with their campus pastor, executive pastor. I know that was like a full question and a lot can come from that, but we can kind of jut dialogue and continue from that, but love to hear your perspective. 
absolutely. There, there was a lot of room to play with on that set of questions. But first, a bias. Based on your the little joke we had there, I will tell you that while I want to honor all, all youth leaders, all ministry leaders, I do think that junior high ministry leaders are better. So <laughs> <laughs> I will preach. <laughs> yeah. And I, I will tell you, and maybe this is um, semi-related, and we'll come back maybe a little more directly to address the question you just asked, but semi-related is uh, as systems get more complex, Right. And as staff, paid staff in multi-site churches end up moving up, I've, 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 I've had so many people go through our coaching program that I've watched go through this process. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like so when I first met Joe um, and I don't know you that well, Joe, but when I first met you, weren't you the junior high director at one of the campuses? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great memory, Marco. Yeah. Thanks. Man. Yeah. I was just I, I so, in middle school. I yeah. mean, Right. And so now to see you're in a much more complex role now overseeing um, a lot more responsibility. Yeah, very and much so. Further, and further removed from the very kids that you were called to. Yeah. And this this is a challenge for all of us. My equivalent, my personal equivalent was when I got made the executive pastor of a church of about 6,000 people. I was only 33 years old. The five associate pastors who reported to me were all over 50. Wow. Um, mm. The church was over 100 years old. It was a unique, it was a unique deal, right? And one of the things I discovered really quickly was that I didn't have the bandwidth, nor was it in my job description to spend time with a bunch of junior hires in the context of the junior high ministry, right? I'd actually ask them. It, when they asked me to do that job, if uh, they'd kind of write into my job description that I, I I wouldn't get in trouble if I played a preferential uh, treatment toward the junior high ministry in terms of like my Sunday morning presence. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. But I, I didn't have the bandwidth for it, really, with all the rest of the responsibilities of my jobs. And here's the challenge. Um, I started to feel... Uh, like a, a a calling version of emotional hollowness, right? I felt like my calling wasn't being met, yeah. Because while I had the skills and the um, responsibility, and uh, really felt like I was supposed to be in this executive pastor role, and it it came with uh, expectations and demands that I was willing to step into, there was still this core kernel of you're calling to junior hires and I was quickly drying up and I in a similar way to if we don't have our connection with Jesus right yeah and I found I have to find some way to get that need met or I'm not good for even the more complex and quote unquote important things and I would say that's true for me to this day Right, I lead a national organization. My work is all over the world, and yet uh, I am a small group leader with a group of uh, six eighth grade boys at my it. church on Wednesday nights. And I That's do sweet. that because I I do it for two reasons. 
A secondary reason is I don't think I have as much credibility for the rest of my work if I'm just talking about what I did 20 years ago. I hear you. But the primary reason is I know that I will not, I'll I'll be hollowed out over time if I'm not actually honoring that original calling that I received from Jesus, right? So anyhow, that was a little bit of an... No, that's actually great, Mark. I'm glad that that's where you went because I I struggle with that myself at times. Um, I, yeah. I'm grateful that and humbled and encouraged by uh, leadership or others who would say, hey, we see this in you and we'd love for you to speak into this or take on this role of responsibility or even when opportunities have come for a position shift. Uh, and I know yeah. Kim... That's what that was. A, that's been an issue for you as well, and that's where she's hopping in as being a small group leader for us, yes. <laughs> um, coming up here this fall, hopping back with high school high school girls. So I'm I'm so glad that you you went there because yeah. as you were talking, very much resonate uh, with that and feel that tension. And so what what advice hindsight 2020 as you went through that, and you kind of talked about it in your current state, but for those guys and girls who are are being tapped on the shoulder to shift the position or to take more on. And that's ultimately going to take them away from what their first love was or or what their calling was uh, initially. What encouragement, advice, insight would you have for them, either what to do or what not to do? Yeah. I mean, I guess, first of all, to anybody who is being tapped on the shoulder like that, congratulations. Don't be afraid of that. Um, Feel free to step to step into that. And I think that's a wonderful and beautiful thing. You know, the best leaders are those who are continuing to grow, uh, whatever their role is. And a new role that demands more of you and your skill set and your leadership ability and your thinking is an opportunity, first and foremost, to stretch and to learn new things. And that that can, can bring vibrancy. So great. Do that's that. Good. Yeah. Just make sure you find a way to stay in touch with that uh, that that sense of uh, what your true, the kernel, right, the centerpiece of your calling is. So, like, for me, when I got made the executive pastor of that church, um, I knew that I couldn't, in that context, I couldn't be a small group leader. I didn't have the bandwidth. I needed to do something on my own terms. Yeah. Right? So Definitely. I just had to go off road and create something that was ministry, but it was really for me, hmm. right? In that context, what I did was I identified three incoming uh, eighth grade boys that I, uh, or maybe they were incoming seventh grade boys, actually, that I saw kind of some depth in them, okay. uh, in their thinking. They weren't outgoing leaders or anything. And off the record, it wasn't an official program or ministry of the church. I just asked them if they'd be open to kind of regular meeting together, not during program time to talk about life and Jesus and stuff like that. So it became like this kind of unofficial mentoring thing. Uh, and But it was totally on my terms, right? And so that I could find a way to make it work in my schedule. Now, there's a sense where I'm applying that same principle in my current context, um, right now, I said I'm a small group leader at my church, which I am, and this is actually my this will be my 21st year in a row of being a junior high leader yes. at, volunteer at my church. <laughs> That's um, awesome. That's but um, it's still really on my own terms. Uh, in many ways, I'm the best junior high ministry volunteers. In many ways, I'm the worst junior high ministry volunteer. 
because I'm really clear about what it means for it to be on my terms. That means like, because I travel so much in my context, I have to have a co-leader who can lead the group without me when I'm not there. Right. That's just essential. Otherwise my small group um, is a horrible experience for the boys in it. Yeah. Yeah, I showing up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I can't be like constantly guilted by the ministry for how many Wednesdays I miss. Yeah. Um, I also put a boundary on it with uh, my relationship with our junior high ministry that they should never expect me to be there for our Sunday morning program time. Yeah. Um, And I'm glad that there are other leaders who can be. I just can't. Right. And so anyhow, I think all of that transfers to those on a multi-site staff who are getting into more and more complex uh, roles. I still just want to encourage you, don't forget to spend time with teenagers uh, or I think we end up forfeiting our the very reasons that got us the advancement. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we're out of touch with those that we're trying to lead. Let me let me shift a little back to your original question, even though I think that was a good conversation, uh, because I don't want to lose track. No, no, that's good. You asked him about, um, you know, what do I think uh, you staff and multi-site uh context need to be thinking about particularly in in terms of uh the relationship with those who oversee them um and a a broad a broad answer to that that then i'll narrow in on a little bit i think in uh here in 2019 almost 2020 the primary skill sets of a successful youth worker are really different than they were in 1982 Hmm. right Although most churches are still looking for people who have the 1982 skill sets, yeah, right? Yeah. So you think of things like good speaking ability, um, a coolness factor, um, maybe uh, musical ability. Oh, certainly um, program planning ability, like can plan good events uh, mm-hmm. or lead games well. Not that those aren't good skills to have. Those are great. But we've seen such significant shift in youth culture over the last 15 years that there are, I think, two new skills that have emerged that are just critical, particularly in a more complex system like a multi-site church, right? Those two are spiritual discernment and Hmm. uh, contextual response. So let and I really want to focus in on the second one of those. Yeah, those are that's great. Yeah, please do. You're not uh, both being responsive to the spirit's leading and responsive to cultural context, then you're going to absolutely struggle in any church in 2019. But if you're not doing that and being responsive to those in the complexity of a multi-site church, you're going to fail very quickly. Wow. Right? Yeah. So and that is particularly true and important when we're talking about relationship with our supervisors in a complex situation like a multi-site church, because a giant part of understanding the context, it's more than just knowing the neighborhood, geographical uniquenesses, um, what are the driving values of the families in our congregation and of the students that are in our ministry. Those are all contextual things too, uh, as well as things like our history, our church's history and what were its wins and what were what were its pain points. 
But a big part of context is understanding the very specific and often unspoken expectations. So I think uh, in my work, you know, with uh, youth workers, I'm in this intimate relationship with these people that I'm coaching and we create this space of genuine safety and honesty. So people talk about the real stuff in their lives and jobs in the last week and a half. Uh, in my current coaching context, uh, I had, I mean, people I'm currently coaching, I've had, uh, three people get fired. Um, and in all three situations, well, yeah, in all three situations, it was, um, blinds, a blind side. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've had a bunch of other, I had, uh, another guy whose wife left him and he had, that was a blind side. Um, and, uh, so that's hard. Here's what I find, though. Over and over again, in fact, I'm going to make a big statement here. A hundred percent of the time that a youth worker has to leave, either because they were asked to leave or fired or felt like I just can't I can't do this anymore. I have to go. Okay, so any time a youth worker moves, leaves a job at it because it's not and it's not positive. It's always because of one or to one or the other of two reasons, and sometimes both of them. Those two reasons are uh, misaligned values, and the other one is unspoken expectations. Wow. And I think the bigger the church is, man, the more easy it is there for there to be just tons of unspoken expectations. That's... Right. And this is all part of understanding your context. That's why I'm bringing it up here. And how, uh, and if no, I think that's so, that's so good as you're saying, and I can see it, how it's, it has fleshed out before, whether personally or, or with others that have had the, the opportunity to chat with. And so what, what would be a tangible, some tangible tools for that individual who's maybe as they're even hearing it, they're like, oh yeah, that's the tension I've been feeling that our values are a little misaligned or we're just not clear on them. Uh, yep. or that, or, or clear on those expectations. Uh, obviously I know there's two parts of the conversation from, you know, the executive leadership or, or whatever it might be called in that church's context. But I'm thinking specifically for that youth worker, what are some things, questions you be asking or tangible things they could be doing to start addressing that, fix that and identify that before, um, it's too late. And there's a little bit of a blindside surprise moment. So, yeah. Um, so the short answer in the values side is to get your uh, ministry values um, articulated in written form down on paper. This is I th- I firmly believe this is where collaborative discernment comes in because that just didn't be a process of the youth worker writing down what they think is best. Absolutely, um, definitely. We actually have in our youth youth ministry coaching program we have a pretty finely tuned process that we teach people. Um, for developing ministry values in a collaborative discernment form. Um, but yeah, getting those written down on paper and articulated and then having a conversation with your supervisor or even as far up as you can go about where is their alignment with this church or where do you see possible points of tension, right? Or even here's where I'm feeling some of the places of tension. Uh, are these things that I should be concerned about or not? When it comes to the expectations, it's not that dissimilar, but it could even be a little more of a loose form conversation. It's starting the conversation of saying, look, let's set my job description aside for a second or any of that. 
I just really want to be clear. Can you tell me how you would define a win for me and for our ministry? And give give me as many points of measuring a win as possible. Um, I like what that. is it that you think are the success success metrics that I should be uh, remembering at all times, right? Um, and then, yeah, have conversation around that. That's a question I'd be having also with parents, particularly um, those who seem to have influence. That's good. Um, it doesn't mean you have to choose to try to meet all those expectations. Let me be clear about that. But if you don't know what the expectations mm. are, then you're running blind and you're eventually going to run into a wall when you're running in the dark, right? Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. knowing expectations, then you have the opportunity to figure out how I'm going to respond, right? Am I going to meet those uh, wholeheartedly? Am I going to meet those so that I can do what I want to do, which is not an illegitimate route to go, by the way. Kurt Johnston regularly says, I've heard him say in training times, look, if you figure out how, you know, what it is that your boss wants and you meet those expectations, you'll be free to do whatever it is you really want to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's True. another option. Yeah. Or to say, I'm not comfortable with those expectations and we either need to dialogue about changing them or I'm not the right person for this. Yeah. But running blind in the dark about expectations is always going to come back to bite you. Yeah, I like how you how you shared that two of those things that stuck out is one, uh, having them kind of even explain the win even more, because we know a lot of times those wins can be shared in a broad based, more ambiguous way of, well, we just want uh, it to grow. It's like, well, okay, well, what is yeah. what does that mean? Specifically, like, what does that look like? But on both sides of those expectations, whether that they can be met or cannot be met, because if you're you're not informed, then you cannot have an informed conversation, and you're inviting in unnecessary tension at that point that can eventually give way uh, to to negative results there. And so, so Brene, good. Yeah. You guys have probably heard of the author Brene Brown. She's not in the Christian world, but a lot of ministry leaders are reading her these days. She has language around some of this. She she says that she she and her team they use the language of paint success for me. Hmm. And it's I like that language because it's not just give me one word or one sentence. When you say paint success for me, you're inviting somebody to more fully describe. Give the full in picture. narrative form, right? In more narrative form, what success would look like. Yeah, that's good. That is that's a good framework to think through and to hold on to. Yeah, Mark, I feel like a lot of the pieces of nuggets of truth and wisdom that you gave us today about calling, about leadership, uh, doesn't just resonate here within the multi-site church world. And that's what I love. And that's what's beautiful about it is it can stream across many different organizations and individuals that may just kept catch a glimpse of our episode or, um, you know, hear it from someone else. But we just thank you so much for speaking into multi-state student ministry, student Absolutely. ministry itself. Um, thank you for being with us today. Um, as we wrap, do you have any final, sh final thoughts that you might want to share? Or <laughs> I mean, I'll just make another loose comment about multi-site that maybe will give some, uh, language to something many of the listeners are experiencing. Um, a, and this is going to be a two-parter, part one, 
Uh, I've never seen a movement within it uh, within the American church that has uh, taken hold so fast as the multi-site movement. Yeah. Um, and it's been, and this is, that's not all necessarily positive. There, there's a lot of positive and there's some challenges Absolutely. or some negative, right? There's some things that aren't being thought through well. Um, but as just a reality, it's amazingly fast. B, I've never once seen a single multi-site church. Somebody's going to come up with an example, I'm sure, now that I've said that. <laughs> I've never seen a single multi-church that chose to go multi-site because they were trying to address the issue, how can we do youth ministry better? Wow. How can we reach teenagers better? Wow. So as a result, youth ministries and multi-site churches are always responding to a decision that wasn't made in light of their mission. So they're always trying to catch up to this uh, articulation, this approach to church that's based on a missional idea, right? And trying to figure out how do we move toward that? Wow. Um, which offers all kinds of challenges uh, for mm -hmm. youth ministry. That's a, that's, yeah. That uh, you give me something to chew on. I've never thought about that way, but you're right. <laughs> That's a good framework yeah. to think of. I might drop that in a meeting next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Marco, right. Marco, thank you so much uh, for your time. Where can people uh, connect with you uh, via social uh, as they as they look to follow you and just hear more about what uh, what God is doing in through your ministry as you look to equip and encourage others? I mean, if you just try to find my name on social, that's probably the easiest ways. My actual like handles are, are stupid because I developed them at different times. Right? <laughs> yep. I, I think my uh, my my Twitter is Marco's Beard, but <laughs> Marco's my Beard. Instagram is Why Is Marco, which is the name of my now defunct blog. Right. So, That's I mean, it's very all, philosophical, yeah, it's but if you just look on, look for my name, you'll, you'll find me. I'm there. I, yep. I, I know that for sure. And, uh, I, uh, I, again, I appreciate your time and everyone, of course, make sure you check out, uh, youth cartel, uh, as you're looking to get any more information about, uh, being a part of a cohort, uh, or being a part of the middle school conference or the multi-site conference, uh, taking place there in January. And Marco, I know that we're looking forward to being a part of that multi site conference uh and continue yeah, yeah. To... i think we're calling you guys the official podcast of the multi-site yeah. oh, <laughs> i'm excited for that it's a it's a humbling opportunity to be able to it serve is. with you in such a way and to just continue to to serve our other brothers and sisters um as we again we look to to be good stewards what god's blessed us with here and so Beautiful. marco thank you so much brother we appreciate you and until next time everyone thanks for tuning in we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon bye bye, bye. bye.